Hello, and welcome to another episode of the How to Scale a Business podcast. My name is Hector Santi Esteban, and I'll be your host for today. And we're here with Jeff Wayne, and he is the president of CEO of Max ERC Refund. And what's exciting is he was just saying before he hops on that his business, he gets to feel like Santa Claus because he's helping businesses to get paid. But more importantly, what we're going to talk about today is the spirit of entrepreneurship. And Jeff, that's been something that's come up on a lot of these conversations is that yes, scaling a business is about systems and it's about teams and revenue and profit and all those sort of business school type things. But so much of that too is the inner work, the inner struggle and challenge to get up every day and be our best. And unless we do that, it's oftentimes very hard to succeed professionally. And so Jeff, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Hector, thank you very much for having me on. You've had a number of businesses, ran some franchises. I believe you started your own business. You've been doing this for a number of years. So catch us up on whatever you think is relevant and perhaps also give us why you feel like this idea about the spirit of entrepreneurship, why that's been such a core or big part of your career. I guess I would start with my brothers and I growing up, we were in an entrepreneurial family and it really started with my dad. I was 14 years old and I'm 56 years old today, but when I was 14, my dad risked everything. He took out a second mortgage on the home. He started a company called Duracon and most people today don't know what Duracon was, but it was really the company that put truck bed liners on the market. Most people didn't know that pickup trucks had this item that they could put to protect in the back of their pickup trucks, but yet pickup trucks have been the number one selling vehicle for the last half a century. And so Duracon was a very, very successful business and went public in 1984. It was the fastest growing company in the state of Michigan in 1984 and 1985 actually advertised in the Super Bowl in 1986. And back in 1986, we were in a recession and the companies, there was no other company in the state of Michigan that advertised in the Super Bowl. So there was no Ford, no GM, no Chrysler, just this little company called Duracon that no one had ever heard of that put out two 30-second ads. By the way, you'll get a kick out of this. Those ads were $550,000 and today they're $5.5 million for the same ad. So that was how much those ads have increased since 1986. And so Duracon was a wonderful company, and my dad had sold his remaining interest in that in 1991. And so I had finished college at Michigan State in the late 80s, and my mom had my mom's original business. She had a wig business. I didn't even know wig businesses were a thing. So my mom and dad both had businesses early on, and my older brother had always been involved in either a 401k business or financial planning, that type of thing. And in total, my family's been involved with 23 startups. And so I'm really, really proud of that. That all started with my dad. I see now my nieces and nephews have started their own businesses. My daughter, who's 26 and also a Michigan State grad living out in Scottsdale, Arizona, has started two or three businesses so far. And my youngest is away at Michigan State and will be a marketing entrepreneur type major. So I think what I could lend the most is my favorite advice when it comes to business, build your own dreams or someone else will hire you to build theirs. And I think we all kind of want to be our own boss, but it takes a little more than just wanting to be the boss to develop and run a successful business. What I want to honor about this story is your father, he set the tone. And I think that's so cool. 
And what's interesting is that a lot of people would choose not to do that or in the middle of it, there's something that happens. I see my dad and what's interesting is I see my dad at, I was about seven or eight and he starts his own business and it fails miserably. You know, what's interesting is that he owned a body shop and did really great work. I mean, people loved the service, but he didn't have the skills to actually turn it into a profit. He was great on cars. He was not a great business owner. And so it almost tore apart my parents' marriage, and thankfully they found a way to stick together. But after that, he's worked for Allstate for the last 20-some-odd years. My mom worked for the city of L.A. for almost 40 years. I grew up in a very employee mindset. And I'm grateful because I was able to see the other side of it. But what is the other side, right? Because I think that you probably even I'd imagine that there's just a growing up in a different kind of culture that spawned all these other business owners, right? Can you speak to maybe what kind of ethos created a little bit of that? Discussing business was something that I grew up with. It's something that has been a part of my life as a teenager to my life as a college student to fast forwarding a lot of years, my life as a husband and father it's always been about what business are you going to be involved with? And I don't think there's anything more important than passion when it comes to a business. Failure is inevitable. There is no business out there that hasn't failed in some regard, some completely, and they're no longer in business, but there was enormous failure at Amazon. It's enormous failure at Microsoft and some of the bigger companies. Every company I've been involved with family businesses, we've experienced really bad times and failure. Some of the companies did make it. And so it's rough. I think back to when I was 14 and my older brother was about 16, 17, and my younger brother was a year behind me. And to think that my dad had enough passion to take a second mortgage out on the home when he's got three teenage sons that are pre-college if this business doesn't work, we may not be going to college. And, you know, I look at that today. And if I was in that boat and I had three teenage kids, would I have had the nuts to do that? I don't know. But I will say that if your passion is good and your business is sound, you got to go for it. You've got to take the chance because there's nothing worse than living with regret. You talk about passion and I'm curious. I would imagine that most people who are listening to the show, we don't have to worry about whether or not they have that or they've had it. But I know that there are entrepreneurs who have either lost it, lost sight of it, maybe distracted. So for somebody who's out there and they might be saying, I was passionate about it, I thought I was passionate about it, but they're not feeling that same sense of whatever was pulling them before. How might you guide someone through that? Or what would you say to someone who's kind of experiencing that? I could be completely wrong. But my initial, what popped into my head when you were describing that scenario is, can you reconnect with the passion that you had when you started the business? I think it's possible. But let's say you have had a business that has sometimes been profitable, sometimes not profitable. You're five years in you really don't have the passion that you had when you were starting it and you were creating this LLC and you were just, it's all you could think about. I mean, 24 hours a day, 
I'm thinking, I can't wait to take the next step to hire that first person or to do this marketing campaign or to improve the appearance of my business in some way. If it hasn't happened after some number of years and you feel like you don't have the passion that you once did, it's probably time to move on. It's probably time to find something that you can be passionate about because I cannot tell you the number of people that have companies. It could be a pizza shop, could be a body shop, and they're doing it. And now it's just for a paycheck and life is too short. We all know the cliches. We all know someone who got sick or someone who wished they had done this or wished they had done that. And if you don't love what you're doing, find something that you can love. And maybe if you don't have the resources or the ability to start your own business, it doesn't mean that you can't spend your time doing things that you love on your free time. I mean, I love mountain climbing. I Next to spending time with my wife and kids and family, I want to be on a mountain somewhere. And it allows me a lot of opportunity to challenge myself. I've always reached the summit, but I've had major failures on the way up. And it really caused me to really think about whether or not I had the intestinal fortitude to accomplish this job. And so I think building a business a lot of times can be like climbing a mountain. It's not fun all the time. It's not easy any of the time. But man, when you get to the top, there's no better feeling. Yeah. When we get back from break, Jeff... I think there's some great context here. What I like to leave our listeners with is some sense of what to do next or, okay, that's great, Jeff, but how do I do it? What are the steps? What's the recipe? We're going to get into that right when we get back from this break. Hey, y'all. Thanks for tuning in today. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we are a content and podcast production company. So if you have a mission, a message, a passion, a purpose, something that you want to get out to the world but don't have the time, the tech skills, or the team to be able to do it, we can help. Go to AmplifyMedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y Media.com. And you can also check the show notes for info. And with that, let's get back to today's episode. Okay, Jeff. So this has been a fantastic conversation. And during break, I was honoring your advice, the great advice that you gave in terms of really asking people to question their passion. And if it's not there, to be okay moving on and to be okay doing that. I'm curious, though, because someone could be saying out there, yeah, Jeff, this is all great, but it's all artsy fartsy pie in the sky, get out there and just go do it. Whereas There are some people who are really looking for, okay, but how do I go out there? How do we cultivate this? What are the habits, the systems? How can we actually and practically go out there and do this? If we didn't grow up around this, we don't feel like we have the environment or whatever it is. Are there things that you do? Are there habits or speak to that a little bit? I guess I would start with, if I'm a 21-year-old who wants to get involved with artificial intelligence, I might not be able to figure that out in my own basement or garage. And so you might want to start by working for a company that specializes in artificial intelligence. If you want to own a pizza parlor, probably ought to work at a pizza parlor and figure out what do I like about this business? What are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? What am, what could I do to be even better than this? We started one of the conversations with talking about Duracon and this bedliner thing. My dad did not invent the bedliner. He invented their product called the Duraliner, which was a better 
truck liner than what was out there in the market. He worked for a bedliner company for many, many years, and he was a great salesperson and just found a way to create a better product. And so I think I would start there. I mean, if you have the means, it starts with a strong educational foundation. Now, the educational foundation doesn't necessarily have to mean college. It could be a trade. I saw a guy recently and I thought it was brilliant. He owns his own HVAC business, going around from home to home, fixing air conditioners. And if you think about that, let's say you could hire 10 or 20 people to go out and fix home air conditioners, but all 10 or 20 of those people have to have a wide knowledge of how to fix these things. And maybe by the time you get somebody up to full knowledge, they leave and they go on to another job. This guy is in his office and communicates visually. Think of a cop's body camera. He's got a tech out in the field and he's working with the tech live. So there only needs to be one really, really, really smart guy who knows everything there is to know about HVAC. And he's got 20 guys on 20 different jobs and he's peering into the unit. Okay, test this. Let's go on to this one. Let's test this. And I thought that was wonderful. That's not new technology. That's not difficult technology. We could all do that with an iPhone or FaceTime if you think about it. But what's brilliant about it is you only need one great mind and you need 10 soldiers to go out there and get the job done and make a living and build the business. And so it's not as though everybody needs to be a master tech and I've got to invest all this money into their training and their education. And I love his little business model and he's doing great. We could end the episode right there. That was great and brilliant. There's so many things that we could pick out of there, right? So many good things that come from that. But I think it's a willingness to think outside the box. It's a willingness to see opportunity. And so is there anything else that you feel is helpful or relevant to what we've talked about today? I mean, we've gone exactly where we needed to go. So I feel like I just want to throw it to you to see where else we might be able to go that you think the listeners might value. I think... If I had to summarize everything, I'm doing what I'm preaching. I'm currently involved with a company that I started a year ago called Max ERC Refund. The purpose of this company is to take advantage of some legislation that came out during the pandemic called the Employee Retention Tax Credit. Many, many businesses, most businesses were hurt in some way by the pandemic, whether it's because they were partially or fully closed or sales went down, or they had supply chain issues, things like that. And there is a $400 billion stimulus, that's with a B, part of the $2.2 trillion CARES Act that initially came out. And these small businesses that were hurt by the pandemic, they have dollars coming to them. And what I'm summarizing here is that at Max ERC Refund, I love what I'm doing. We started this by saying, I feel like Santa Claus when I can educate my customers that this program exists. They have, through no fault of their own, got hammered during the pandemic. And this is kind of a way out. You can receive up to $26,000 per employee based on certain scenarios. But the vast majority of people that apply for this ERC credit make good candidates. And so I'm passionate about the business. I talk with business owners every single day of the week about their businesses, which I love. I've just been a business guy my whole life, so I'm passionate about it. I've hired great people to help me with that. I have an awesome CPA team that does the number crunching and does the actual 
tax filing. And, you know, the only one, the only flying the ointment here is the IRS is really slow. They take about four or five months to process these things, but our clients get paid. They're ecstatic. And a lot of times actually saves their business from bankruptcy because they're still feeling the pain from the pandemic. So I love what I do. I love the people that I work with and I love talking business. And so for me, I identified what my passions were, found a business that fit it like a glove. I'm also to the point where my kids are older, my wife and I can travel and I can do this from anywhere in the world. Most of my conversations, I probably don't personally meet with 95% of my clients, but we're on Zoom meetings and we're on, we're emailing and we're texting and we're phone calls and that sort of thing. And so I love the fact that no matter where you're at in the United States, if your business was affected by the pandemic, my company, Max ERC Refund, can help. I love that I can do that for people. Yeah. And where can people find out about that? Is there a website or someplace to go? There is. It's just the company's name, www.maxercrefund.com. As soon as you open up the website, there's like a 90-second video people can watch in very lay terms can explain what the ERC, the Employee Retention Tax Credit, is all about. There's a number to call. I'd be happy to talk with anybody on a Zoom call or on the phone to explain things more, but maxercrefund.com is the place to go. Yeah. Well, I just want to honor you for taking your own advice and really helping people. Congrats. And I wanted to honor you for that because I think you're bringing a lot of good into the world. I would encourage you listeners, thank you first for sticking with us. I would encourage you to go get connected with Jeff and his team. It seems like it makes it really easy for those of you guys who were able to find a way to make it through these last couple of years. Go get connected with them. If you guys enjoyed today's episode, we would love and appreciate a rating or review wherever you guys get your podcasts and take something from today's episode, implement it, reach out to Jeff or me and let us know how it goes. We'd love to hear you. And thanks as always. Thank you so much for having me here today, Hector. I really, really enjoyed today's podcast. Yeah, the same goes for me. These are always selfishly very, very helpful as well. So we appreciate you being with us and part of the tribe. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.